Welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Vanessa Raglan. And I'm Cole Stratton. Oh, Cole, you seem a little bit under the weather today. (laughs) Just kidding. It's just me, Vanessa, recording an intro because this episode was recorded without an intro because it was recorded live at WonderCon. We had so much fun and so did the audience, which I think you'll be able to hear. Um... I hope you really enjoy it. A little info if you want it. Our website is popmyculturepodcast.com. We are primarily listener supported. So if you want to give us a little gift to help the show, just click donate and enter any amount. You can also find us on iTunes and give us a five star rating. No other stars need apply. Um, and you can tweet at us. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. Cole is at Cole Stratton. And now, with no further ado, please welcome our fabulous guests, Pinky and the Brain. Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, everyone. Yeah! I hear it. By the way, before we begin, may I, I have a little something I'd like to sing for Countries of the World? No. no. Okay. Maybe later. Save that, honey. I'd have to sing something that's just as a little homage to my friend Vanessa, and it goes something like this. It goes, the most beautiful girl oh, in the world. Oh, no. Keep going. She ain't Harlow. She ain't Dietrich. No? She's that sweet trick. Oh, okay. Who can make me believe it's a beautiful world. Vanessa Ragland, <gasps> the most beautiful girl oh, my in God. the world. Oh, oh. Wow. And now uh, Maurice will sing I'm Too Sexy for Me. Yeah. Old King Cole was a... Thanks. This is so nice to have us here. Too sexy for my coal. Too sexy for my coal. So sexy. It It, rolls. It rolls. And bucket list checked off. Great. There you go. You've done it. Uh, We'll start with this. Uh, It's late March, which means we're very quickly coming upon the summer movie season, which starts earlier and earlier every year. Uh, This summer particularly seems to be one just full of either reboots, sequels, reboot sequels. uh, (laughs) Sequels to reboots. Yes, exactly. And superhero films. And that's pretty much it. I I had not noticed. Oh, tonight, right, is uh, Batman and... Batman v. Superman. Batman versus Superman versus the Board of Education versus... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be doing very well at the box office, but it's getting kind of savaged by critics. And yeah, I get, my kid told me it got like thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, this is like the same level as The Room. I, I and it crawled up tickets. there. I bought my tickets. I bought like ten tickets for my friends and myself, like three weeks ago or the day that it opened, and forgot that I was here tonight. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm, You're I'm very glad I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for getting me out of. It only cost you a couple Batman. hundred bucks. That's fine. Know. I gave it to my trainer and a bunch of guys, and they're, they're watching the movie, and I'm thankfully here with you. So thank well, hopefully we'll direct this panel better than Zack Schneider. <laughs> oh, Sorry, is that divisive? Is that divisive? That's a classic Pop My Culture burn, okay? How about that? <laughs> I mean, it's like if Michael Bay had relations with Michael Bay and had Michael Bay. Well, many people have told him to go. Yeah, have relations with himself. Yeah. 
a lot of uh, Transformers fans. Yeah. It just yes. looks, I mean, just from the trailers, like, it's funny because, like, you have the trailer for, like, Captain America Civil War, and there's the one that you know, introduced Spider-Man as a spider teen, which is what he usually which is. What is. He is. Yeah. But Hollywood has always gone the 90210 casting route and put, like, 48-year-olds as Spider-Man. <laughs> so, like, that trailer alone where they introduce Underoo as Spider-Man, people freak out and they love it. And then they would show... I would see go to the theater and they would show the trailers for Batman versus Superman versus Pearl Jam's versus album. And people <laughs> would just, like... It was, like, smattering of applause. <laughs> like, not much enthusiasm whatsoever because it just looks like this dark, like, Boring, horrible time. <laughs> I have to say yeah. though that said, the, the the last trailer they did where they they finally got that we need to see Batman in action rather than just being you know admonished by Superman. That fight sequence with Jeremy Irons directing him that looked cool and that made me go all right. I I, I want to go see this. I want to go see Batman kick some ass and he looks like he's going to be a good Batman. <laughs> so having not seen it yet. Because I'm here, <laughs> I, I'll reserve judgment. But but that 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 part made it look cool, and I'm I'm hoping for at least a, a cool Batman thing. Well, what are, the, are your most successful superhero movies to you guys? Uh, to me, the, the the very best superhero movie for me was the original Superman, the movie, mm-hmm. followed closely by, believe it or not, by by Hancock. Oh yeah, yeah, I love Hancock. <laughs> Whoa, more Followed by Unbreakable. Those are my three top superhero movies. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. <laughs> I never thought I could feel so free. <laughs> I'm a big, a big fan of I was a big greatest American I, uh, hero fan, too. My favorite superhero movie is little known, but it's That Darn Cat. Oh. Right. Remember that with Dean Is Jones? that the one that comes back the very next day? Yeah. Yeah. And I they thought he was movie. a goner. Wait a minute. <laughs> 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 this always happens. I'm so when sorry. We talk about that darn cat. Because it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> go on. It's just a cat. Just go on. No. But it's more than a cat. It's more than a cat. I always kind of had a soft spot for X2. Um, the second X-Men movie. I don't know, maybe because I like the opening sequence with Nightcrawler. And yes, Wolverine's too tall, but Hugh Jackman's cool. Does, does Flash count? Splash, sure. Splash is a superhero movie. Yeah, that's my the favorite. One with the, queen, the, the one with the queen. Oh, that's Flash Gordon. I love that. No, one. no. This queen is just the woman that gets in a bathtub with salt water and gets a tail. Oh, Splash. Yeah, Splash. I'm sorry, I'm deaf in this year. I thought oh. you said Flash. I wish. That's I'll a take Flash answer. Gordon over Flash Gordon any day. <laughs> For pure camp. That's a good mashup. By far superior, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, Recently, though, I thought Captain America Winter Soldier was actually the best oh, superhero. Yeah, yeah that was great. That was great. Really good. You know, uh, I, that was, to me, what he was the embodiment of what Superman should have been. What Man of Steel should have been about was, it was the kind of man Steve Rogers is in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Winter Soldier. And, yeah. you know, for, for me, that was, that was, a, that was a, huge, a huge success. And, and a, to me, a misstep as a fan on Warner Brothers' part, on DC's part. Watch me never work for Warner Brothers again. Oh, well. Um, it's not like they're rebooting Pinky in the Brain, so... <laughs> I'm also really enjoying the Daredevil TV show. Cause, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm only partway through season two so far, but like, it's almost like going up to that point, they're like, oh, you think Marvel's all like happy-go-lucky DC? You don't think we can be dark? Well, here's Daredevil. Because <laughs> that thing is dark. And they yeah. finally got Punisher right, which is weird that yeah. it took that long because it's just like a dude like he killed his family, he's got guns, go. 
But uh, they finally get it in a way that's kind of cool. And New York stars as New York in Daredevil, not Vancouver. Mm. I'm sick and yeah. tired of seeing Vancouver in every super, right. superhero show. This is like, yeah, it's in effing New York. It, it totally is because Daredevil, like the entire second season, is him just trying to get tickets to Hamilton and he can't do it. <laughs> so we're hoping Old season three he can finally get him. <laughs> but he hasn't yet. Uh, also, this summer, the Ghostbusters reboot is coming out. Yeah, now, what's, what's the, the word on the street about that so far? Is it like- well, the trailer didn't look great. First, oh, it thanks, starts buddy. badly by saying four scientists 20 years ago did a thing when only three of them were scientists. Um, yeah, that, that, that jumped out at me right away. Like, you think that there's, it's like, is there a spell checker at the studio? <laughs> In a sense. Um, I don't know. Like, I love Paul Feig, so I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that, here. I don't know. That trailer worked for me. I'm the only person. Because then the fan recut a trailer that was much better. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it, it was a better trailer by all intents and purposes. Like, much quicker. It got to the drama of it. It didn't leave as much time for, like, the quote-unquote comedy. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a Rob Paulson wow. right here. So Switch my him. name right this is, oh, Thank okay. you so much. Thank you so very much. This thank is you, great. Honey. It's very kind of you. But I'm just excited. So we hang these I mean, around like our necks for the rest I like of the all the women. <laughs> and the thing that kind of bugged me in the trailer was that, like, when she gets slimed, she gets barfed on. It was like, that's where we are now? Like, it has to be, like, I mean, I guess she could have gotten farted on or something. That's well, it's a, a callback to the barf joke from, from, uh, from the, the, the spy movie that she just did, where oh. she barfs. I, I think, they, they, no, I don't know. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't She's know. always a groundling too, right? I got, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got. A, I, I'm reserving judgment on that one. As a, as a, I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm hoping it'll work. I'm, I don't want to join the the fray of people going, oh, it's, you've messed with the legend too much, and they, they, they're just you know female versions. I, I, I want it to work. I think you know? it will. Yeah. I don't know why She's I have no cynicism. Talent. It's like a really talented cast of people and that Paul do really well on their too? own. Yeah, Paul's yeah. directing it, and it's like. The cast, these women have made their own movies. They've written their own movies. I feel like as a team, it would be impressive if they failed. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a great... I'm like that too, though, Maurice. I don't don't look for reasons to sort of not like something arbitrarily because it is is trying to be a reboot of something else. And I you know, man, we got... When the first most recent Ninja Turtle movie came out, I remember I was at a... uh, one of the conventions, and you know, somebody in the crowd said, uh, "Mr. Paulson, do you have uh, any feelings on that, that disgusting bastardization that's about to come out, directed by that Yowza. asshole Michael Bay?" <laughs> no, just, do you? I thought, well, my God, clearly somebody's meds haven't kicked in yet, you know. And I, <laughs> I just thought, well, no, I don't. I said, I, I said, let me tell you something, man. It's called show business. Nobody takes a hundred million dollars of somebody's money and tries to make a piece of shit. Yeah, you know. I, I and so I said, I, look, if you if you already know you, have you ever seen a Michael Bay movie? Oh yeah, I've seen everything he's ever done. He's just fucking awful. And I. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> I said, well, that's like, that's like me, you know, having a beautiful steak that cost me 60 bucks and then say, I'm not going to pay for this because I ate the whole thing and it's, it was awful. Or just eating it over and over oh, and right, over right, again, right, but right, leaving right? a bad so Yelp said, review. You know, the definition of insanity, right? Why do you want, Mr. Bay has gotten probably a couple hundred of your dollars for you to stand up and tell the whole crowd how much you hate him. Yeah. Don't. Go see his movies. And it's really simple. If you don't patronize a particular artist or a particular franchise, then there's no money and they won't make any more. So, surprise, Ninja Turtles made, I don't know, a couple hundred million bucks. They go, let's make another one. 
That's how it works. And I, I'm surprised that so many people get so angry. I think, I, but you know what? I think in a strange way, it's a fan loyalty to, to in this case, to you. They, they want them to make a movie and they want them to use the voices of their childhood. The biggest thrill that the audience got, I went oh, to in the first week in Transformers, right. before anybody, the word got out, I went to see it twice with my kid. And both times, full theater, and as soon as Optimus Prime opens, well, it doesn't open his mouth, but utters his first line, cool. and it's, it's, it's Peter uh, Cullen's voice. Yeah. I mean, you could hear a gasp throughout the theater, and people going, oh, they got the real guy. It's the real Optimus Prime. Oh, God, it's, oh, oh, God, oh, Kinnison came back from the dead. It's the real Optimus Prime. He's so happy he came back from the dead. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just people loved that the voice of their childhood came back, you know, and then that they used I wish they could have used Frank for um, uh, Megatron. Megatron. But No, and I know. appreciate that. I mean I and I really do and I and Maurice so, makes So I think stuff. I think they're it's their way of saying we love you, Rob. Well, I, yeah. And they're angry yeah. for you that yeah, but I, that they don't use But there have been so many permutations you. of Ninja Turtles between the first one and this one now. And even in the beginning I learned a very valuable lesson. You know, the we were, we had done three or four years of this of the cartoon show before the first Ninja Turtles movie was made, and I learned very quickly that there wasn't one 12-year-old standing in the, in the in line outside saying, I'm not going to go in because Rob Pulse is not Raphael. <laughs> it's the characters that are famous, and I get that. And, and, and it's Kevin and Peter, you know, developed and designed some really great characters, and the people love the characters. I, I'm not, it's not false modesty. I think I'm, you know, we're good at our jobs, and, and you guys are here and very kind about the work we've done, but... Um, it, you know, the, it's like well, Ghostbusters is a better better example. Yes, because they're not going to get those people to come back and do Ghostbusters, and of course, one of them has passed away. Yeah, Harold's but, gone. But uh, these girls are freaking at the top of their game. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm like, just why not? If you're going to do it, do it with those girls. Yeah. But that my, kind my of whole nostalgia. thing about reboots too is like the other movie doesn't disappear. It doesn't fade from a photograph right. like Marty McFly at the it. Champion Under the Sea Dance. Like, Ghostbusters will yeah. still be there. Yeah. And then most of the time it makes the studio repackage it, do put extras on a Blu-ray or DVD, like Always. bring attention to the original to thing. Yeah. yeah, so like if anything, it helps that in a sense. Yeah. So like, well, and if this one's bad, it's bad and we move on. Yeah, and that Maurice has a very, um, an interesting bit of casting because he's, he's decided that if there is a Pinky in the Brain movie, the casting will be as follows. Well, I haven't decided it. It's my nightmare. Right. Well, please share your nightmare. Share your nightmare I, with I, our If I had a decision to make, it would be you and me, you know. Okay. But, our, but in your nightmare, then share it with our my friends. My nightmare is, is, is uh, Peter Dinklage and, uh, <laughs> and, and Russell Brand. <laughs> That's my nightmare casting of Pinky in the Brain. And I love both those two guys, Isn't but I don't fantastic? want to hear them as Pinky in the Brain. As soon as he said to me, he goes, you know who's going to be the brain? I said... Peter Dinklage and I just, <laughs> just oh god Russell Brand it's very Brand. good it's very Brand, good the, you know, the Russell Brand doing a much more coked out Pinky there you go alright and then the X misses Katy Perry as uh, Pinky and listen it's gonna pack seats okay right. there you go yeah right? exactly <laughs> so well let's talk a little bit about Pinky and the Brain since we just brought it up. good idea mm-hmm. there it is Narves. it's all part of our latest plan to take over the world Yes. <laughs> yes, you will listen to this podcast and you will fall under our control. Mm-hmm. Or you may yes. fall under a bus. <laughs> I'll In throw, which you, case I'll throw you under the bus, Pinky. <laughs> oh, now let Cole time. ask the questions. Okay. Go so, ahead, Cole. Fire away, Mike. <laughs> it never gets old. It never gets old. 
Never will. I always just stop talking because I'm smiling oh, too hard. Right. I get really excited. Good. Oh, you're really pretty. I mean, speaking of never getting old, that show holds up. Animaniacs, so I think, in general, yes. like it's so good. It will always be good. Maybe the Dana Delaney reference from the credits is a little faded, but otherwise, <laughs> it's pretty dead on. How did you guys land on how you were going to do the, these two characters? Where, what was like the process like for you guys? Uh, well, I, I, you know. I had done Tiny Toons, you had done Tiny Toons, and, and we, we sort of became something of a, re, a rep company, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. because Andrea Romano and Steven Spielberg and Tom Ruger and Gene McCurdy d- just gave us first crack at this new show that was going to take place in a completely different universe. You know, Tiny Toons took place in the Warner Brothers universe of Bugs Bunny and, and, and Daffy Duck. The, these were the protégés and the nephews and the what, what have you. But Animaniacs didn't cross over. It was a, it vibrated at a different frequency, uh, and it was all fresh characters. Yeah, so yeah, and so but they gave us first first whack, and we all read for everything. And you know, I I, I swung and missed on. All, I mean, I read for Yakko. I read for for Wacko. Uh, but when they put this this mouse in front of me, this this with this giant. You know, cranium and this sloped brow, and, and it looked very Orson Wellesian to me. And I was already kind of well known for my Orson Welles, you know, sort of mic check that I would do whenever, or if I, especially if I was alone in the studio, I would, I would every just every session, every session, if there was a lull, I just, you know, to keep my voice going and and just amuse the shit out of me to do it. I'd, I'd just go. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire, where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. We are, we're talking about them growing, and she's picked them. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July, and I'll go down on you. And I would just do the outtake take. So when I saw that, that mouse, I thought they'd drawn Orson Welles. Turns out they, they were actually modeling him on Tom Minton, who was a writer for... Uh, and if you ever met Tom Minton, immediately they'd say, Oh, my of course, God. That's what they're drawing. You poor man. But having never met Tom... <laughs> I just went with Wells, and, and it just, uh, you know, and I had the confidence of, of, of saying to myself, oh, they've, they've actually created this character for me. Yeah. For me. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just do what they're expecting. They weren't expecting that. They were not expecting it at all. It was not something that they, and, and, and it was, it was to them original. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, you know, hackneyed. Um, which is like everything I do, and um, <laughs> and so and but so they booked me on the spot. Andrea Romano will. I don't think they listened the to first, anybody else. They, they said they. She yeah. said she cut. I was the only wow. audition I was ever on time for. Nine a.m. First day of auditions, and they booked me on the spot. And they didn't read any more brains. Fantastic. They, they said, Let's just find Pinky. And by the end of the day, they thought they'd found the best Pinky they had was a dear friend of ours, uh, John Aston. How about that? Who we'd worked with on Tasmania. Gomez Adams. Gomez Adams. The, and, yeah, uh, and he was... Who was he in... Uh, what was the name of his character in... in uh, oh, Attack uh, of the Killer Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. Lawrence and I worked on a cat, yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Was it Gangrene? Know. Professor Gangrene. Yeah, but he's <laughs> the nicest, sweetest man in the world. He's a Buddhist. He's Fantastic. He meditates. He's the, just the most positive guy in the world. He's and he 85 play, now. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be 86 on, uh, on Wednesday. On Wednesday, yeah. On and Wednesday, he teaches... We, sh- we share a birthday. Uh, you know? Theater. That's right. Mauricio's... Um, yeah. So we call each other on our birthday, but Aww. John Aston and I. Yeah. But John yeah. was almost pinky, and he was just that. You know, he's very, very upbeat and like that. And so we worked with him together on yeah, Tasmania. On Tasmania, he played. He had the brilliance of of deciding that he was a cheerful villain. Yeah, that that hmm. Bull Gator was happy all the time, even though he was trying to kill 
the Tasmanian devil. And no matter what happened to him, he would react. He would shake it off and just, well, Axel, you're a pip. And you know, was you were, he was Axel. And Axel's so pip. I was like this all the time. Mm-hmm. And the, gee, Bo, I don't know. What are we going to do now? And he was, well, Axel, I think we're going to believe that. And, and, of course, for us, you know, John Aston is Gomez Adams. Yeah. And Maurice and I, you know, Maurice, I do it all the time. I start what? sliding into you, him. Maurice why? and I were big fans of John Aston. So why are you doing I don't know. Christopher Walken? I don't know. That wow. doesn't make oh, It's contagious. It's Walken dead. You, you did have a, you did, I mean, you, no, that, you that, did get to practice your somewhat clueless sidekick on, on John in, in uh, you know, as a, I mean, Axel Gator was oh, a brilliant clueless sidekick. Perfect. But I mean, so just working just, with John was yeah. one of those things where you go, oh my God, this guy is... He's freaking Gomez, and, and it's like working with Jonathan Harris, God rest his soul, and, you know, from Dr. Smith from Lost in Space, and in real life, he spoke like this anyway, so, Morris, how are you? Don't talk to me, you sanctimonious bucket of boats. But wasn't he from, like, Brooklyn <laughs> He was from Brooklyn, he's a Brooklyn Jew. That's right. <laughs> and, and he, and, and every, but he was all so very affected, and I, I remember seeing him one day, we had the same agent, and I said, oh, Jonathan, how are you? He goes, I'm not doing so well today, Robbie. May I tell you why? And I said, please. <laughs> he says, he says um, um, I was called the other day to be the voice of a milk carton. Can you imagine? And I said, yeah, I mean, I totally can, because I, I told him, you know what I told him? I'll tell you what I told him, my lad. I told him I won't do it. I'm too old, I'm too rich, and I'm too fucking pretty. I won't do it. He was so great, so affected. Yeah. But um, anyway, so... <laughs> I'll never forget. The first time I met him was, in a, was at the voice casters in the waiting room. And I don't know why he just turned to me and said, Dear boy, always have a year's worth in the bank. <laughs> always have one year's income in the bank. Then you can tell them to go screw themselves. Oh, my God. Like. So I've always, it was always my goal to have a year's income in the yeah. bank so that if I didn't work for a year, if it dried up or if there was a project I didn't want to do... And so, but that came from John, Jonathan Harris. Crazy. Yeah. And about, Smith. Anyway, so how'd you, you mentioning... steal the part from this nice man? What's that? <laughs> how'd you steal the part from this nice guy? This man. I know, talking about, so from John, I didn't know anything about that. I was just reading. Um, I actually had heard that Maurice was going to be the brain, and it was a kind of a fait accompli. I mean, it, it, there's no, it was perfect because I knew that Maurice was going to do – I mean, it was. It could not have been more beautiful. Oh, stop! No, no, no. It's true, and your instincts were spot on. All of that. So they had not made a decision apparently on Pinky, and I, um, I tried a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Maurice and I are both big fans of the Goons and Monty Python and British humor, and so I had been uh, um, working on dialects and things like that since I was very young, and um, I tried all kinds of stuff, and I looked at the physical aspects of of Pinky, and he had that severe overbite, which I thought might have him difficult saying time saying letter R, maybe, and say brave, and, you know, mm-hmm. Vanessa Ragland, Ooh. and, you know, things like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. It gets you all excited, dear. And, um, and so I just started playing around, and I recall that we kind of went back and forth, and if you, if you listen to the first few episodes, or first maybe year of Pinky, Pinky was more down here, like, hey, God, brain, what are we doing? It's sort of a stupid... And then they kind of sought, they kind of liked the stupid aspect, but they liked him to be a little more sweeter and cheerier. And, hey, Dad, of course, it's a great idea, Brian. And so it just morphed into that. But I have to say also, I mean, we, we've been very good friends for a long time. And um, phenomenal writers, 
it's 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 not a mystery. It it was a beautiful kind of you, you know just a con- confluence, a, a glorious confluence yes. of really great talent who yeah. who gave us opportunities to shine. Yeah. Mm. And I think you're right, Cole. I'm at the risk of sounding a little self-serving. Both Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain hold up really well 20 years later, and that is absolutely thank you. Um, I I have to give the credit to Tom Ruger and to Steven Spielberg and, and those folks because that was all by design. Those shows were written yep. um, to be like uh, Looney Tunes, Rocky and Bullwinkle, Flintstones, Jetsons, things that were did not condescend to the no audience. Pandering. Yeah. Yeah. No pandering. They were... They you dared know, you to be in on the joke. Yeah. yeah. Ostensibly kids' shows. But now when you watch them 20 years later, I do these things all the time and people always come up and say... Oh, my God, I didn't get that cultural reference or that political reference until now. And that's why you can still watch Rocky and Bullwinkle and, the, and uh, Looney Tunes 50 years later. Yeah, They hold still up fine. beautifully. Good stuff is good stuff. And we were very, really, really fortunate. Well, speaking um, of things that uh, stand the test of time, I just want to mm-hmm. pass these down. Uh, we did this a couple of years ago at Sketchfest. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I would love to have you guys read As Pinky in the Brain, Abbott and Costello's Who's on First Routine. Oh, good idea. Um, <laughs> So I believe that's how we did last time. We did kind of a switch. So uh, we had uh, uh, Pinky as Abbott, right. and mm. Brain as Costello. Um, so let's uh, let's flip. Yeah. Do we want Do we want to do it that way again, or do we want to flip it the other? Either way. So wait, wait. So all right. So we had it. Yes, we did have it. That 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 Brain had the the less. He was the less. Uh, although it's not that. In, this is a classic vaudeville bit. It is. Right. Uh, even predates. But, you, uh, but the way custom. you do, the way you get ruffled is so great. Okay. So All right. So let's do that. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> do you know, Brian, strange as it may seem, they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Yeah, nicknames. Nicknames. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Well, that's what I want to find out, Pinky. I want you to tell me the names of the fellows on the St. Louis team. Yes, well, I'm telling you, Brain, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellow's names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name on first. Who? The fellow playing first. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, Brain, who is on first? I am asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Pinky. Yes. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every bloody dollar of it. And why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Well, why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Her name is Desiree. She's very nice. Whose wife? (laughs) Yes. After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. Well, all I'm trying to find out is what is the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, 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 Brain. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? <laughs> St. Louis has a good outfield, yes? Oh, absolutely. The left fielder's name? Why? I, I don't know. I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who's playing first? Stay out of the infield. The left fielder's name. Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you have a pitcher on this team? Wow, wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? Well, then tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. 
Okay. Now, when the guy at bat bunts the ball, yes. me being a good catcher, yes. I want to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to who? That's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Ah, well, nam yo renge kyo, brain. Just don't get excited. Thank you for getting that. Your copy of the Bhagavad Gita is right outside. Don't get excited. Take it easy. I throw the ball to first base. Right. Whoever it is grabs the ball, so the guy runs to second. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Carry the foot. Yeah, it could be. Another guy gets up, and it's a long ball to center. Because? Why? I don't know, and I don't care. What was that? I said I don't care. Oh, that's our shortstop. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You know, when we first did that at, at your sketch fest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple and years ago. that was probably the single most brilliant of post-pinky-in-the-brain casting because people, it was a really an inspired idea. And they loved it. It's got a shit pile of views, I think. On that YouTube. and yeah. the, I also had you read the Hitman scene from Pulp Fiction. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Yeah. right. So that's on YouTube. It's Wasn't out that, there. Wait, was that at Sketchfest or was that at Comic-Con? It was at Sketchfest. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah afternoon we, with Pinky and oh, the Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm... I'm so that's definitely that's out there theaters. if you guys want to hunt that down. If you want to hear them read the uh, the Jules and Vincent parts from it's Pulp Fiction, delight. it's out there as Pinky <laughs> the Brain. It's a delight. It's pretty great. Uh, well, let's do first. We do this every podcast. It's different first from life. Since we are at WonderCon, uh, what's the first convention you remember going to at any time in your life? First convention ever. Um, you went to a Shriners convention, didn't that's you? That's true. <laughs> um, the first convention I ever went to was, was in fact, a Comic-Con. It was, I think, 2000 and... Um, no, no, no. It was 19... It was the first, the first year we ever... We, we did anything to promote... Uh, oh, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Yeah, I did a little Captain and the Simeon Space Monkeys panel, a little-known little show that really, <laughs> okay. really never got its due. It was created by Gordon Bressack. And we had, we had half the cast of Star Trek and half the cast of yeah, Babylon Michael 5 on, that, right? on the show. <laughs> Michael Dorn was on the show. Uh, we had, we had um, uh, Jerry Doyle mm -hmm. from Babylon 5. Uh, David Carradine was on the show. Oh. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and um, oh, he was the lobe. Help me. Oh, uh, David Warner. David Warner. And uh, Jeff guy. Bennett and uh, uh, Dom Herrera. And oh, it man. was phenomenal. It was a great cast. Yeah. And, you know, it went one season and nobody watched it. And it was really good science fiction writing. We had D.C. Fontana uh, oh, contributing sure. a script. We had mm -hmm. some really terrific, uh, <clears throat> really terrific sci-fi writers on their show. If you can ever dig it up, watch it. It's got an arc to it, but it's called Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. It's about, it's about a, a, one, a, a bunch of monkeys that get sent up in the, you know, the, the, the NASA space program who, you know, are bombarded by cosmic rays and... and Anthropomorphize and I like how you said you know like we were all going to go there <laughs> you know we're bombarded by cosmic rays you know <laughs> cosmic rays classic monkey you know rays. Fantastic Four <laughs> Doctor Bruce Banner all that shit so and 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 uh, anyway they continue into deep space and continue on the mission and uh, it's it's I thought it was particularly brilliant uh, so anyway that was the first one first, going to promote uh, that show first year I went was in 1993 to promote Animaniacs. And um, I will never forget, they showed an episode, and the first episode, oh, I think it was probably the first one that aired, had Yakko's World in it, and it was really just lovely. 
Um, and uh, there was a woman sitting in the front row who was dressed, in my estimation, as sort of a cross between Patti LaBelle as a Klingon, <laughs> which I think is sort of redundant. And you guys, I swear to God, she, she, you know, they got done to United States, the whole thing. It was just, and it is a brilliant little two-minute cartoon. So everybody loved it. It was a big, one of those big 3,000-seat room. It was stupid. And she, she said, any questions? Yes. And, you know, and I said, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Rob, are you Mr. Paulson? Yes. You're Yak. I said, yes, yes, I am. And she said, uh, oh, my God, that song is just, is just wonderful. She said, did you improvise that? <laughs> and I remember Peter Hastings, one of our brilliant writers, producers, former groundling, mm-hmm. looks at me and says, well, tell her the truth. And I said, you know what? I did. <laughs> and I wish I could stay and take more questions, but I'm actually late. I have to go record uh, a song about everybody who's ever played Major League Baseball in alphabetical order. <laughs> Come on. Burn. Yeah. And she, I, I want to say, honey, I'm good, but I'm not that good, you know. <laughs> But and then it, he went home and wrote the song about everybody song. who ever played Major um, League Baseball. But no, Baseball. that was the first time I've gone, and I think I've made. I think I've only missed one or two, and I, I always oh, wow. go to uh, on behalf of something like this year, and la- we've been going the last few years as a result of Ninja Turtles now. But I, it has really morphed into something that is a you know a city unto itself. I yeah. mean, it's, it's gotten awesome. to be just madness down there. Yeah. I, I I understand, and I it sounds a little. Um, I don't know. It sounds a little um, hoity-toity, but you know, somebody always makes sure that I g- get to where I'm going, and they take care of me. But from what I understand, like the day after Comic Con is done, the tickets are sold out like online, like almost the, right away. Within an hour, they're all gone. That's a, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, and and people, I don't know, man. I I see people standing out like if it's a, a new Batman movie or you know Lost panel or something like that. People will stand outside. Like they're waiting for Led Zeppelin tickets. It's and 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 well, they can't get a hotel or afford it, so they just sleep out of the Hall H they line. Don't. What else are you exactly. Do? Why not? They do it's free and housing. It, it is. It's it's a, a remarkable thing to see. It's so crowded, but the but the depth of the love and the admiration for this whole gathering is so intense. It's 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 a remarkable thing. Yeah, and Mo and I were talking about this on the way over. Um, Comic-Cons are, you know, events like this are becoming so ubiquitous. They're just popping up everywhere. Yeah. And it's not all 5,000 people that show up who are, you know, a little bit tweaked and somewhere on the spectrum. It's not all that. It's a bunch of really mainstream people who get together and they have, you know, you can go to Kansas City and there'll be 60,000 people. Yeah, cons are becoming what, what you know, the, as a stand-up comedian, I saw what we called the comedy club boom yeah. in the 1980s. It, was, it used to be just the improv and Catch a Rising Star in New York and the Comedy Store on the West Coast. And that was the only places you could see stand-up comedy. Then Toronto started, it built a Yuck Yucks. And then all of a sudden, during the 80s, every town had every town two, has a or, hut, you two, you know, uh, two comedy uh, clubs. Yeah. And that's what's happening with Comic-Cons now. It's, uh, there isn't a state or a major city that doesn't seem to be having Calgary a Calgary gets 100,000 people. Yeah. We're grateful for it because it gets oh, a it's chance great. to meet you guys. Oh, you it, it is. And the thing that we're also talking about is that... Um, and forgive me for going off on this tangent, but it's really important. And I always love to do this on a podcast and an opportunity to meet people who are really our friends. You know, I mean, when you fans connotes somebody who's, um, you know, at a distance. And, and I really feel like we have all these people who are essentially our friends with whom we've kind of grown up. And um, we just don't know that we know each other personally, <laughs> you know. 
So when we have our friends here and around the world, um, the thing that Maurice and I notice a lot is um, we meet people in every circumstance who are not only there to get autographs and are just the most delightful, kind, sweet, patient, desperately lovely people, but we also find out that in every crowd there may be 10 or 12 people to whom our characters and others mean way more than an action figure or just a TV show. People come up and say, my mother had a double mastectomy at, at 38 years old and, and 12 weeks of chemo, and the only thing that got her through it was pinky in the brain. Or my parents got a divorce, and my brother and I held on to each other watching Ninja Turtles. Or, you know, I, the only thing that stopped me from getting bullied was deciding that Ninja Turtles was, you know, I'm going to go learn martial arts and I have this newfound confidence. And so you find out that people are really touched deeply by these characters. And I never would have known that had it not been for this, you know, this, this phenomenon. This culture. Of, yeah. And it's the... <clears throat> And so this, would, we, this wouldn't have happened in the 1940s. There wouldn't have been a place where you could go meet Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart, yeah. you know, or people that, you know, I mean, not that we're saying we're on the level of those guys, but, <laughs> but uh, you just, well, dead, it, so. they wouldn't have had that, they just, it was unheard of to have that interactiveness, yeah. you know, with somebody who was oh. on the screen. They were kept from the public. There were special, you know, special clubs that they went to that just, you know, the general public didn't go to. I mean, it's like, you didn't see them at the grocery store, you know, it's, it's like, and and now it's you know it's just it's a one lovely way for us to meet you and for oh, you to meet us and just realize we're just the lucky we're the lucky ones we're oh. the lucky waiters, you know yeah. that, that that you know got to stop waiting tables and perform, you know but we're just you know we're just guys it we're just class clowns that that lucked out. It, it is know? such a pleasure and and the, the, to know that because um, there is a point in your, in your life when you're lucky enough to do something that you would don't tell anybody essentially do for free. Mm. Um, when you get paid to do something that, you know, you used to get in trouble in high school and you work with, you know, you work with people who are your personal friends, you would choose to be there. Um, and then you find out that you're, you know, because we're, we're pretty anonymous and, and so you don't hear all the time um, that your work is making a difference. I mean, obviously, that's how we pay our mortgages. But when you can go to bed and go, oh, my God, I, I have had... A profound effect on someone, you know, in their life in a positive way, and and all of us have in our, and and the thing that's interesting is that it filters down. Everybody can do that. Everybody can take that extra moment to to you know do a kindness to a stranger or whatever, and then you find that you know they use that phrase that's paying it forward, mm-hmm. um, and and it is a remarkable thing how that trickles down. And then you meet people who say, you know, what you did was inspiring, and now I'm involved with a local thing and myself, and we're helping people. And it's just the most, it's really, we are profoundly grateful for our friends. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Oh. So great. So Thanks great. for being here. Really quickly, Vanessa, what was yours? Was it Comic-Con? Mine was, was with you. It was Comic-Con whatever year we went. It was such a special time. Do you remember it? I think it was 2012. I think it was the year Tintin came out, right? It was the year after someone got stabbed in the eyeball. Yeah. That's all I remember. Everyone was like, last year somebody got stabbed in the eye. That was great. Oh, good. That was a great con. Waiting like five hours in that line and then being four people away from getting into Hall H. Like, sorry, someone got stabby. I think for me it was... I used to, in, in uh, high school, I would have sleepovers with my friends because Friday nights they would play Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Comedy Central. Yay. Right. 
So we would do that, and then Saturday morning we would go to these small comic slash Star Trek conventions in Sacramento. Um, so we would just that was like our little twofer because we all collected Marvel comics at the time. And back when the cover price was like two bucks or so, and it wasn't not. And we all got out of collecting at the time. Like a couple years later, when every every cover was like special cover, Wolverine's claw prints are on it, seven dollars. <laughs> and then we're like, ah, I think I'm done with this for a bit. But that was that was a special time for me. Yeah. Well, let's do. Let's, we'll do a shortened version of this. Okay, great. Uh, I, we love to do a little character quiz. We're going to ask some questions of a couple of your guys' characters. Okay. Uh, first off, uh, this is for a couple of questions for Mr. Big from Zootopia. <laughs> yes, Maurice Lamarche, Zootopia, baby. You don't understand. I don't have a. I don't have a tank of uh, helium here, so I'm doing the uh, the unaltered version of the voice. <laughs> They gave it a little juice. They 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 they, they amped it. They took they pitched it up just a little bit for the for the character. Wait a minute. You said they so gave him a little juice. What? Well, that's quite offensive. They gave him a little are, juice. They gave him a little juice. Jewish. That's quite. They offensive. whacked him with a little full juice. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, bringing a little juice. Yeah. All right, well, no. All right, Mr. Big. Uh, On what the was day the of happiest, my daughter's wedding. What was the happiest moment of your life? The happiest moment of my life was the day my daughter my daughter Fru Fru was born. On that day, I swore there would be no icing. On the day of her wedding. No one would get iced. You understand? That means every other day of my life, somebody gets iced. <laughs> so ask your next question very carefully, Mr. Sure. Stratton. Uh, you're always impeccably dressed, but what do you relax in? My eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just comb them back and lie down and... <laughs> You ever see, do you notice how big they drew his friggin' eyebrows? <laughs> on that? They used my eyebrows as the model for this. <laughs> I'm finally not kidding. Mr. My eyebrow, I mean, I, I go for haircut and eyebrow cut. I mean, when, when I go for grooming, it's total manscaping from the neck up. My eyebrows get so, I'm like Milo O'Shea. Oh, my in, God, in, yeah. In Barbarella. I mean, I, that huge friggin', oh, yeah, like, like just up. And 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 they I, they did some they didn't do uh, vidcap, but they did they did train the camera on my face for expressions and the, the, those eyebrows. I, I know they used my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going once. I happened to have to give him a ride to one of his uh, uh, manscaping you know, the, his manscaping um, things. We had to go to the barber, and I all I remember is that whatever it was they used on it, they had to pull start it. It was. Ew. That's right. <laughs> 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 oh, when I hung my, my hung my head out the side of your car, was a, the eyebrows was the wind resistance was. <laughs> my eyebrows were flapping in the breeze, whistling in the breeze. Anyway, well. and finally, Mister Big, what animal really makes you mad? Foxes. <laughs> I hate fucking foxes. <laughs> Such a great actor. <laughs> I had one that stole me. <laughs> A rug made from the butt of a skunk. <laughs> a skunk butt rug. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. It's so good. I couldn't keep a straight face. Do you know how many takes we had to do on skunk, skunk butt rug? Skunk butt skunk butt. I can, I'm amazed I did it just right just now as a character. Mm. I was, but that was, that was so that It's was so such fun. a great movie. I mean, the sloth sequence alone is worth a price. Oh, my mission. God, the sloth it's Ridiculous. And who hasn't seen Zootopia? I'll go go see tonight. Seriously, and go it's see 99% it. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it is love. Skip Batman v Superman and go see Zootopia. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a lovely, lovely film. It's really with good. With so many levels. 
and so many messages. You think you've gotten to the message of the film, and then all of a sudden, it's like an onion unraveling, you know, peeling back, and there's a whole new message right there in the film. And then you think, oh, that's the second message, and there's a third friggin' message. And it's so, I, I sound like Mark Hamill the way I'm talking. <laughs> third message. It's really unbelievable. Rob, it's unbelievable. It really it's amazing. <laughs> you know, you're so wonderful in Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> and I've always wanted to do, to, to, does be, that too. to do an episode yeah. with you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a cartoon connoisseur. People don't know. It's funny you should That's say that because though. I tweeted about this panel and you'd retweeted it and Mark Hamill liked that tweet. <laughs> They showed up in my email. Like, the That's first time cool. I met Mark Hamill. That's pretty cool. We were doing bat. We were doing Pinky in the Brain. I was on the way out in the afternoon. Was was Batman, Batman. and Hamill came in and Andrea Romano said, would you, "Would you like to meet Mark Hamill?" I said, "Oh my God, yeah, I'd love to meet him." He got out of his oh, car. He's walking great. towards, and I, I, and she goes, and Andrea goes, he goes, "Hi, Andrea," and I go, he go, Andrea goes, "Hi, Mark. Uh, this is uh, this is our this is our brain. This is Maurice. Maurice Lamarche. I know you. I love you." I, I the, nine, the nineteen the nineteen eighty five ninth annual young comedian special. Oh I love God. comedians. Yeah. I have a wall of just comedy specials in my house. I am a comedy connoisseur. I love you. You are such a wonderful impressionist. Fantastic. And that was me getting. I didn't get a chance to say I loved Star Wars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's there and he's like and it's like we're we're friends today. Yeah, I've got crazy. his whole number and everything. Great guy. You know he's he's just a, the sweetest guy and so knowledgeable about mm. the genres. I mean, oh, he's he as much a fan as you guys are. Yeah. If, he, if he never got Luke Skywalker, he'd be out there sitting with you right now. If they went with the other guy, who was in my acting class, by the way, a gentleman named Will. It came down to Will and Mark, and they went with Mark. Yeah. Whoa. And just because, you know, I, he had the right quality. But if it had been Will, Mark would be sitting with you. That's yeah. how much of a fan of he's the He's a big fan. So great. All right, a couple questions for Raphael. Yeah. Raphael, I love Raphael. <laughs> I love the Ninja Turtles. Rob, you're fantastic. <laughs> we need to give you a solo episode of the podcast as Mark Hamill. Yeah, That'd he totally could. Totally could. It would be so good. It would be so enthusiastic. Yeah. All right, Raphael, uh, what's the best pizza topping? Hot fudge, marshmallow, tuna fish, and Doritos, oh. without question. Cool. Uh, if you could party anywhere in the world, where would you go? Vanessa Ragland's house. Hey. There it is. And uh, if you could share a piece of za with anybody living or dead, who would you want to share it with? Vanessa Ragland. Oh, my it. God. I knew it. All right, a couple questions from Morbo from Futurama. <laughs> Morbo, who's your favorite president? My favorite president is Richard Nixon, my extremely good friend and the only one preserved as a head that has appeared on my show many times. Uh, when the alien invasion finally happens, what's the main thing your species will enjoy doing for pleasure here? Mm. <laughs> Vanessa Raglan is no. not an answer. No. Thinking about... Whoa. Now we're talking. I know it's a family podcast, Cole, so I can't say what we'll be doing with Vanessa Raglan's house, but we are an extremely cannibalistic culture. Oh, okay. And finally, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tassiro pop? One... Two. I will destroy you. Three. <laughs> nice. And a couple questions for Yako Warner. Yes. <laughs> That's the third question. <laughs> Yako, uh, who is your all-time favorite comedian? Uh, my all-time favorite comedian is probably Foster Brooks. 
<laughs> and I, you know. Oh God. And Cole, go. the reason I like I like Foster Brooks is because he did a he did a bit in which he was a very gentrified gentrified fellow who thought that he knew that he had a bit too much. A bit too much to drink, but he didn't think that anybody anybody else knew that he had had too much to drink. And I, I, I just thought, right, Lisa, I just thought it was the funniest guy, funniest goddamn thing I ever seen in my life. This may be my favorite impression of anybody, any impressionist, any actor. Your Foster Brooks impression. Yeah. Thank you. So my Genius favorite comedian was uh, Foster Brooks. Yeah. All right. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? If I could what? Eat one thing for the rest of your life. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. You can't go there. I didn't. You did. I meant, what's your favorite children's charity? <laughs> yeah. There you go. If I could eat one thing the rest of my life, it would probably be... Vanilla ice cream. <laughs> oh, thank gosh. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Yako, yeah, what are the countries of the world? Well, you know, there are a couple. There's, um, there's the United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Republic Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too. Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guiana, and still. Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil. Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan. Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and Fitzgiana, Barbados, and Guam. Norway, and Sweden, and Iceland, and Finland, and Germany, now on peace. Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey, and Greece. Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman. Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq, and Iran. There's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Yemen's Kuwait, and Bahrain. The Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, and Portugal, France, and Denmark, and Spain. India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, and China, Korea, Japan. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan. Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, and Tardio, and Vietnam. Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana. Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Burundi, Lesotho, and Malawi, Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Channel, Liberia, Egypt, and Yemen, Gabon, Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, and Mali, Sierra Leone, and Algier. Dahomey, Namibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Gagos, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mario, and Cayman. Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia, Korea, Mauritania, Natalia, Monaco, Liechtenstein, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan. Thank you. That's a good improv. Oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I, did. I made that up. Yeah. So fun. Right off the top of your oh, head. Oh, man. I read Viola's phone book twice. <laughs> and I can't even remember where I parked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks, pal. And by the way, you know, Randy Rogel, who wrote that and most of the other uh, well-known Animaniac songs, <clears throat> wrote, and I don't have it with me, but he wrote um, a new stanza, which now includes all of the new countries of the world that have sprung up <laughs> since the dissolution of the Soviet Union. So he's got Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and Ivory Coast and Macedonia and all that. It's 
pretty remarkable. That's guy. a lot of upkeep. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. All right. We got about His five. His eyebrows are tough, but you they, oh, <laughs> we got about he five. Got, minutes by the way, left. he got it, he got that on the first take when he recorded it. First take. Didn't he? Is that amazing. true? Amazing. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Oh my cool. god. <clears throat> yeah. We recorded two, but the one you hear is the first one. That um, is craft, ladies and gentlemen. Well, craft and, and dedication. To be fair, I, it's really about the song. I mean, I I had a you know a few days to look at it, but. And I had the music in front of me, of course, but it really is about the song. Randy is a remarkable, remarkable songwriter. And um, if you listen to all that stuff, I mean, he wrote, if I've got, I, I won't take too much time, but a good example is, he, some, you know, the, the edict gets handed down a lot. We want a song about, because he's a staff writer. Mm-hmm. We need a song about time. So he wrote a song, and Yakko says, when you're, um, let's see. When you're traveling from Nantucket through Chicago to St. Paul, and you're standing in an airport, and you look up on the wall, there's a clock for every city and a different time for all, from Asia to Malaysia to Peru. Did you ever wonder why that when it's 6 o'clock in Maine, at precisely the same moment, it is 8 a.m. in Spain? When it's breakfast time in Rome, they're having lunch in the Ukraine, and it's supper up in Upper Kathmandu. Now, that goes on for the whole thing. You can find it online. But Randy wrote those things time and time and time again. Amazing. So that's where it really, you know. So yeah. good. I think we got a few We're minutes left, so let's do a couple version. of these. Okay. So I'm going to do like a couple question for you guys. So I'll say one, two, three, and you'll answer at the same time, but it's for you guys as a couple. This as is just couple. to, yeah, like, you'll see. Okay. So uh, you guys are cuddled in bed together. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking the brain was more No, this is real life. Yeah. Oh, well, then, boy, life imitates This is art. live action, honey. Okay. Um, and his back, he is so here suit. <laughs> Uh, in her suit of happiness. Uh, so, on the count of three, the show you guys want to binge watch together. You can take a moment to think about it, but this is something you could agree on that you would binge watch cuddling together. Do we together. discuss it like? No, I'm, no, no. Okay, all right. You just we just have to trust that you love each other enough. If okay. not, this is bad. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, uh, what was yours? Okay. I've taken no no improv classes. I I I, I, I don't know. I, I uh. Would you like some? Oh, oh, like, uh, yeah. Eleven twenty two sixty three. Thank you very much. There we go. Oh. Eleven twenty two sixty three. Wow, that's pretty highbrow. And you've got it too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it quite matches up with Sons of Anarchy. I didn't <laughs> no. expect that from Rob Paulson. Thank no. you very much. Oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Dark cuddles. My my heart is a Harley. You kick it to start it. Whoa. Ooh, hello. How about that? Yeah. Uh, follow-up question. What snack are you guys eating? Again, on the count of three, it's a snack Vanessa you're Regular. sharing. <laughs> it cannot be me or my body. Yeah. <laughs> so many rules. I know. One, two, three. Graham crackers. Oh, of course he says caviar. Can I say graham crackers? Yeah, Which it all makes sense. together really well. <laughs> no, that... Caviar and graham crackers. Just you see why on. we work together, right? We see what... Caviar and graham crackers. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, this will be the last question, just because we're short on time. So you answer for yourself, but a character that you've voiced that you would most like to get intimate with. And it, can, it doesn't have to go super far, but there will be deep kisses. Voice. <laughs> okay. Both of you. All right. Yeah, deep sensual kisses, okay. but you can stop after that if it okay. gets weird. You took the time to come up with this and write it on paper. <laughs> All right. It's written down. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Okay. And you can each say it on your own time. Oh, There's own? no counting for this. Yeah. Okay. Well... No, of course. That's not going to go well. Oh, wait a minute. Look, that she's saying stop. But I just wanted to say if I wanted to swap spit with my favorite character, I would probably... What? I would probably kiss Carl Weezer, and I would think that he was Vanessa Raglan. No! I think we'll just go out on that. 
Guys, please give it up for Rob Paulson and Marisa Marsh. That's Vanessa Ragland. I'm Cole Stratton. Find us on Nerdist, popmyculturepodcast.com, at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys on for Twitter. coming. Thanks for no, coming, guys. Okay, Thank you, WonderCon. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.